<laughs> you can take that out. <laughs> <laughs> that, that was said with the intention for you cutting it out. Let's <laughs> uh, see if I remembered it. <laughs> <during the edit. laughs> Are you running late? Did you see too much? All the awful dreams felt real enough. Did you know that she waking up? Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Spoiler Warning Podcast. This is review number 463 with a review of a ghost story. I'm Christopher Schnazy. I'm Garza Patrick. And I'm S. And if you're joining us for the first time, the Spoiler Warning Podcast is a weekly film review podcast. Each week on the show, we're going to dive into debate, discuss, and argue over the latest film releases coming to a theater near you. This week, this movie might be coming to a theater near you now that it's a little bit wider release. Um, yeah, we're talking about a ghost story, and uh, I'll be honest, <laughs> did not think of a question to start this episode off with. Uh, I feel like we've asked if you believe in ghosts before. We have. Um, we've definitely talked about that. Um, Personal shopper, I think. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, so I mean, it's it's late. It's very late. It's eleven twenty one right now. Um, so we're gonna forego the question. We'll call uh, it a bonus episode. Yeah, the question for this episode is how late is it? <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, how so. late is it? <laughs> Anyways, yes. uh, so what we're gonna do is we're just gonna screw all that initial banner stuff, and we're gonna jump right into this episode. So we're gonna play the trailer. For a ghost story, maybe. I don't even know what the trailer is for this because I haven't seen it. Um, we're going to play something where you're going to hear something potentially, probably not a whole lot, and then our review is going to start. <laughs> so here you go. When I was little, we used to move all the time. I would write these notes and I would fold them up really small. And I would hide them. What did they say? They were just like things I wanted to remember. So that if I ever wanted to go back, there'd be a piece of me there waiting. What is it you like about this house so much? History? A writer writes a novel. A songwriter writes a song. We do what we can to endure. We build our legacy piece by piece. And maybe the whole world will remember you, or maybe just a couple of people, but you do what you can to make sure you're still around after you're gone. All right, so you just heard something playing related to the film A Ghost Story. Um, I'm not really going to do a lot to try to explain it, other than to say there's a couple that live in a house, and one of them passes away, and then a sheeted ghost person is the thing that we follow for the rest of the movie. <laughs> uh, Stephen Miller, what did you think of a ghost story? So I think this is one of those movies where my feelings changed as the movie went on. 
it I, I should start by saying this is a very, very quiet, slow movie. <laughs> this is like like Chris fell asleep in Personal Shopper the first time around, or if not fell asleep, <laughs> at least like m- mentally fell asleep the first time. <laughs> the, this movie I, makes I Personal Shopper fully look, fall asleep. This movie makes Personal Shopper look like Transformers. <laughs> like th- this movie is a very, very, very slow mood building piece where even the the dialogue I might, I might still be watching the movie. Yeah, the the dialogue is whispered. <laughs> oh, snap. To the point where some of it is incomprehensible, at least in the beginning, like I didn't – there are some signature quotes in the movie that I didn't even catch in the beginning because and, they're and just done in a very whispered Let's be manner. honest. I don't think there are actually signature quotes in this mm-hmm. film because this film is – every th- – this series is a single – a series of – this film is a series of moments and each moment is given out of context for the most part. Mm-hmm. And while you still can piece together some context from other – like – enough of these scenes together you're never existing in one moment for long enough to really get a sense of what is happening right you're just sort of experiencing little bits of things right. and, so. and i think that's a, a part of it is uh this movie knows how to build a kind of it, it knows how to build an evocative mood like a, a loving mood toward the beginning where you kind of i, I mean just the aspect ratio makes it feel like a polaroid right you feel kind of like you're looking at snapshots of some long <laughs> gone relationship um, <laughs> from back in the day when they had the stupid round borders yeah, yeah. Um, and, and but uh, so on the one hand it it begins as a sort of very warm movie but then it's also a very at arm's length trying to make you off put film and in the beginning i i struggled to get into it because it is definitely a trying movie that is not it is not attempting to make you like it at all. It's just a movie that is going to show you this thing and try to put you in a particular place. But maybe like 20 or 30 minutes in, I really clicked into the pace of this movie. And I think what it's trying to do is very interesting and different. And it, it the only thing I wrote down after leaving the theater was grief turned inside out. Like th- this is a story that's like taking a thing that would normally be a movie about a loss or a grief and flipping it where you're watching it from another vantage point. <laughs> you're watching the grief itself, yeah. not the person grieving. Sure. Yeah. No, but, it, but this is putting you in, it, it's putting you in a world where the thing loss is losing you. Like it, it, it's really hard to explain, but it, it's showing you things from a different, from a different angle. And it builds this mood where time doesn't really make sense anymore. And even emotions aren't fully there because this is a ghost with a sheet on its face. Like whatever you're feeling, you are kind of projecting on it. Like yeah. Casey Affleck, if it's actually Casey Affleck the whole time, <laughs> I don't know. He, he's yeah. emoting some things. Spoilers, <clears throat> it's actually Rune of So he, you know, there are, there are emotions at play, but this is really about the feeling of being stuck in a place. This is about like, long expanses of time passing and you not being able to move on and existing in a world that doesn't need you anymore. And it's like definitely incredibly art house. It's very hard to ascribe (laughs) meaning to it. But once I chilled in, like honed in on that tone, when it has moments to kind of break from that, like there's this one song that I guess Casey Affleck was at least producing in the movie. I don't know if he's supposed to be singing because his voice cannot sing like that. There's definitely a scene... Where he has headphones in, yeah. and it's just—I mean, for us it's acapella, but it's—he's mm-hmm. 
listening and he, he's recording the audio track. So right. we are supposed to believe that he sung the song. Yeah. So mo- moments like that where there will suddenly be a big jolt, like a, a swell of noise or a big action happening. There, there's one in particular where things kind of the scene changes dramatically all of a sudden. And a few of those, when it has lulled you into that feeling, they hit with a really sharp jolt. So all of that built to a thing where I don't know exactly what it was trying to say, but I know that it put me in a really, really contemplative place. And even though I saw it at like 11 p.m. (laughs) on a Sunday, I walked away being pretty into this movie. And I don't think in good faith I would recommend it to everyone or say this is a movie you want to rewatch, but... I appreciate the tone that it built. I think it it hits something. The only other square movie I've ever seen, like square aspect ratio, <laughs> uh, was Son of Saul. And that movie tried to use it to make it feel claustrophobic and painful. And this is a sort of claustrophobia, but it's a different one. It's like an emotional claustrophobia or an emotional like emptiness. Like you're up too close, but you can't touch anything. And I thought that was really cool, and I was impressed with Rooney Mara eating that whole pie. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I've I've heard not a peep from Carson your entire reading and my interjections, so uh, I, well, I'm very curious what is going on in his head right now. Partly because it uh, Skype was dropping me for a second, so it was just oh, like no. <laughs> I'm so assuming you're saying that when I get to the edit, there might actually be interjections from you. Uh, no, I didn't interject. I just uh, well, I was going to when you were talking about Casey Affleck singing because I know for sure he that definitely was not him singing. Oh, I know. I, I found the band after that movie. Oh, okay, yeah. I figured you probably said it, but yeah. Um, uh, and then I I didn't hear what Stephen just said, but I'm assuming he he name dropped uh, Son of Saul as the other <laughs> four by yeah, three movie. Sure do. Okay. Um, so we're on the, we're, I guess we're all caught up. Um, did, did you win at, at the spoiler warning bingo? <laughs> I guess. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I really like this movie. Uh, I don't think it should be a shock to anyone. Um, like I, I told Steven beforehand, like that this is, uh, very akin to personal shopper, not just because they both involve ghosts, but, uh, uh, they are definitely, uh, you know, no plots allowed. Um, uh, you know, very... A personal Shopper has narrative, though. Yeah, but it's very visuals over story. Like, I feel like that that... I mean, it, it's... I think it's it's visuals and ideas over story, and I think this is just visuals over story. Or just mood over story. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's very, very Only God Forgives-ish, um, et cetera, et cetera. But, um... Yeah, like, <laughs> um, I mean, it's it's very easy to uh, to start <laughs> to start getting into like really, you know, put your pretentious hat on, go like, what does the meaning of life and the time and existence, you know? It's like you're really what? good at doing my voice. Well, Will Oldham already <laughs> does that in this movie, and he does yeah. not come off as a very smart person, right? Like, I was just gonna say, like, yeah, that's I the weird like, hillbilly guy who gets ten minutes of fucking exposition, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, he, the, he did a song in Pete's Dragon. That might be how he he knows this guy. Yeah, he's the dude from Old Joy talking about, you know, basically being that guy after the movie going like, it was just so, like, it was just powerful. 
powerful. He, he makes like nihilists seem like optimists. Like, yeah, it's like basically the entire world is complete shit and nothing ever matters. So you should basically just kill yourself. You should listen to Bonnie Prince Billy. That's pretty much what his music <laughs> is too. But yeah, I mean, it's... like, but also, but I mean, like, my takeaway from the movie is just that like, there's a lot of really rad imagery. Uh, there's a lot of really cool moods evoked and um you know that that party scene especially where he's going off and and basically describing the movie um like again my only takeaway from that was just like i just want to see more of kesha and the magician like uh you know that's my take um but uh you know yeah like the the main part is just like the the image of casey affleck in the sheet is really cool I'm sure there'll be, like, a ton of, like, half-ass Halloween costumes this year uh, of that. Um, is is there a full-ass version of that costume? <laughs> well, yeah, like, I, I thought it was pretty... <laughs> well, the hospital gown version. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, it, it was interesting, like, reading uh, David Lowry talk about, like, the creation of that. Because it's not, you know, one I guess would imagine, like, oh, like... It's you know, a sheet on top of your head. Well, yeah, like, given that, it, you know, it's just, like, super low-budge indie movie, like, Casey Affleck just threw a sheet over his head with, you know, two eye holes in it. But, uh, no, like, I mean, David Lowry, like, really, like, created this whole rig so it could, like, be, the sheet could, like, lay over it and have that, like, perfectly round look. And, like, there was, like, a lot of, uh, a lot of detail and effort that went into it more than just, hey, just show up in your clothes because it's indie, brah, you know, like... <laughs> <laughs> there was a, um, there was a lot, it was, uh, so I was, I was actually like, oh, like, that's, uh, that's pretty cool. Like, that's, uh, you know, just showing you that he had a vision for this and, like, really wanted to get it right. Um, and like Steven said, there's, it's, it's really, it's, it is cool, like, how, you know, the movie's, like, going along. There's, like, no dialogue. Uh, there's just the music, the, the score is uh, pretty effective and, um yeah, and then you, like, you know, you see, like, just time passing him by, and then all of a sudden there are these bursts of, like, really uh, kind of frightening moments. Like, the the image of Casey Affleck in the sheet is, like, pretty, like, cutesy, like, and, like, it's a pretty, like, lovable ghost. Like, oh, like, you know, it, it looks like this cuddly ghost, like... You Looks could buy like, it. like Linus waiting for the Great Pumpkin. He right, definitely yeah. does. <laughs> right. It's totally, totally those vibes. Um, but then, you know, there are, like, I'll definitely give him credit for, uh, for also, like, just making it, like, also kind of scary, like, at times. I was like, oh, like, this is, like, this is, like, an, an actual, like, horror movie. Like, there's lots of really, like, kind of, you could look at it as, like, a, a deconstruction of a horror movie. I mean, like the, like some of the things that he does, like in terms of, you know, kind of like ghost tropes, um, where you're like, you know, seeing it kind of from both angles and you're just like, Oh, like, you know, so that's why ghosts scratch at walls because they're trying to find, you know, <laughs> no, they're trying to Rooney find Mara. what that lover left them, you know? Um, yeah. So Ugh. it's, it, it was kind of, it was kind of cool to see like them, him flip like the, some of these ghost tropes on its head. Uh, but yeah, like, I mean, there's really not a whole lot more to say other than it's like just a lot of really cool imagery. Uh, just like mood as fuck, man. It's just real moody. 
And if you're down with it, you're going to have a great time. Uh, if you're not down with it, uh, then, you you know, it's not going to be for you. But I, Is that my cue? Fa- <laughs> yeah, yeah, I guess. Well, I mean, the fact, that, the fact that Casey Affleck dies and is under a sheet most of the movie, maybe Chris will like it more, but uh, I don't know. We'll see. Uh, so I, I ex- go story. Oh, I expect sorry. I expect this to be a thumbs down or like a kind of liked, and I'm going to give it a, a whack ass rating. Uh, you know, <laughs> um, I mean, it's called a ghost story, and yes. it's really just a ghost. I mean, it's not really a story of a ghost, right? Um, I, I, I think this film is basically imagine watching Koyana Scotty without Philip Glass and without anything moving in frame. And that's sort of what this film is the entire time. And I think, you know, I I also wanted to compare it to Personal Shopper, not, as you said, not just because it's a ghost story, but I mean, I think Personal Shopper knows exactly what it's trying, it knows exactly what it's trying to do. I don't know if I understand completely what it's trying to do, but to me, there's a lot of work with it trying to talk about the simple idea of ghosts and uh, you know both real and figurative ghosts and, and what they mean, what are ghosts doing? Uh, we all have ghosts in our life. It's like it's dealing with a lot of of ideas of messages from people who are not present with us or that we don't see with us, but are with us in some sort of exterior way. And it's doing something interesting. I I sense a thesis, and maybe I don't completely understand it or completely agree with it, or maybe. I'm reaching for putting the one together myself, but all of the subtext is in the film, and there's enough there for me to bite on and go like, I know what the filmmaker thinks about this subject matter. Um, I feel that in a ghost story, this, like, you know, Carson said, it's mood as fuck. That's only what it is of fuck. Like, it is just pure mood and visuals, and I don't even think the visuals themselves are internally consistent from the sense of, like, what this is doing... um, there, there, there's. I don't even know if this is a film that you can spoil because it's not really about following a narrative thread. It's just about a series of things that you watch. But there's just things like I was kind of watching and I was like waiting, trying to figure out what it was trying to say about the ghost that we are watching and things like that. And I, I kind of just kept watching and was not really getting anything from it at all other than the visuals and watching these moments. And then there's a moment in the middle where we see another ghost. And, like, I literally sat forward in my seat, and I was like, okay. <laughs> and that goes absolutely nowhere. Oh, I love like, that was That was fun. That, I like that. <laughs> I love the fact that they threw up subtitles and everything. I was like... Because I, 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 did, I didn't watch the trailer either, so I don't know if that's in it. I know that they, like, uh, after the fact, I saw Casey Affleck on Jimmy Kimmel, and they showed that clip. So I was like, okay, they are trying to sell it as, like... What the fuck is this? <laughs> yeah, but no, um, it, it's just the thing where it's like there is nothing added there at all, and we do, we do. I'm remind me to go into why I think something is added there. Well, so so th- th- that ghost, we know why that ghost is there, and we see something happen that releases that ghost from its obligation that it thinks it's it's there. The ghost comes to a realization, and poof, the ghost is gone. All right, so the filmmaker is establishing that ghosts remain because of unfinished business. As long as they can finish the business, then they can leave, right? Casey Affleck's right. ghost, 
not really the same situation because the ghost exists before the thing that allows him to leave happens. Like, that thing is not something that kept him around. That thing is something that only happens after the accident. So it's like, so it's like okay, well, that's, then, then they're completely unrelated. So then you can back out and you can be like, well, we kind of experienced Casey Affleck having a longing for this location without any knowledge of why he has that longing. And there seems to be some sort of rift with him and Rooney Mara related to that. And then I think, you, oh, sorry. I was going to say we can extrapolate that 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 longing is his the presence of himself. <laughs> like, just, this film is doing so many things that, like, I love looking at Casey Affleck in the sheet. Looks great. It's it's simultaneously cute and scary, like you guys have been saying. It's it's this. It's it's a, it's an actual like if I was walking in a room and somehow I was aware of the fact that though I couldn't see it, there was this thing just watching me. I'd fucking lose my shit, mm-hmm. right? It's terrifying, just this thing stalking people in the house. But like, I it outside of this this really interesting visual, the film has nothing there, and it's like, okay, Casey Affleck also isn't stuck in the house because though he spends all of the film at that location, he does walk from the hospital to the house. So it's not like he died and then became a sheet inside the house and was always a ghost. Like he's in the hospital, his body's in the hospital and then becomes a ghost in the hospital and walks miles, some unknown distance to the house. Like, so, so it's not like there's no force trapping him in that location. I don't know. There's, there's just, this well, film is a bunch of ideas that don't cohesively add to anything in my opinion. And, it's it's hard for me to appreciate the artfulness of the way everything is handled when, to me, it doesn't exist as anything other than those things. I mean, and even that character we mentioned before that get, that gets like a 10-minute fucking monologue about like how the world is worth nothing and no accomplishment you ever make is worth a damn, so stop trying to accomplish things. That isn't the thesis for the film. No, I don't think it is. So why? Like, there are moments of dialogue. The the only the only other people who have almost as much dialogue as that guy is an entire family of people who live in the house at some other point in time, and it's in another language. And the filmmaker doesn't care what they're saying because doesn't choose. Like, ghosts have subtitles, but the Hispanic family doesn't get no fucking subtitles. (laughs) Like, like clearly. Any dialogue they have is not worth a damn because well, it was also film... easy to figure out what was going on with them. Yeah, but I don't know. It just it, it just seems there's a, just a bunch of strange decisions, and ultimately it, it works out to a film where it's like I saw this artsy as fuck film, but I can't tell anybody to go see it. Like it's it's just a thing where it, it's I'm not even going to say it was bad. It's just a film that is not even close to for me. Mm. Uh, well, I mean, I don't know if we need to have a, a, a brief spoiler s- segment because, like, some of the things you were saying, I don't know, you were trying to trying to beat around the bush there, and I I wasn't exactly following, but uh, I guess I will say I don't. I guess this isn't a spoiler, but the fact that I thought it was pretty obvious uh, when he dies, he's in the morgue, he comes back. Um, he chooses not to go to the afterlife um, and he walks 
back to the house, um, and then he is he is chained to the house uh, for the rest of the of his time as a ghost. And so I I I kind of I thought that was pretty obvious that like that you kind of are chained to or where in your home or you know wherever you were living at the time because the ghost next door um, has a like a, a bed sheet or a like a like some kind of homemade sheet over her over his or her. Um, I'm and, assuming because it was like pink. Yeah, well, dots that it was a girl mm-hmm. sheet. Yeah, I but 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 it was it's obviously made to make you or it's it's made to uh signify that like that person died in the house. Um Yeah. That was what I got. But uh Which yeah, apparently like, everyone else in the house died too. <laughs> right. <laughs> but um but no like I like you know, I thought that uh and then yeah, like I, he you know, it, it it seems and then where things end up kind of at the end like it it seems very it was very obvious to me that that was the what his intention was um i'm gonna say something real fast and then you guys can tell me to bleep it after the fact but the ghost tries to commit suicide (laughs) and that sends him back to the beginning of the house yeah yeah well because that was there's no escaping until he actually lets go yeah, but, well, because cause, yeah, because we saw the other ghost let go. She, she he or she finally gave up because they said like, oh, you know, they're not coming back or whatever. Yeah, but like it, it sends him back. But like, first of all, if a car hit him, would he also send him back to the beginning of the house? Probably not. So going forward from that, like that building continued forward into the future, right? I assume yeah. like he should have been able to go on to the heat death of the universe, right? <laughs> like, there's no. There's no like it doesn't make sense that he goes back in time. And then there's like the there's so much. Sure. Stuff. I mean, yeah, trying well, to describe think... mechanics to this movie, mechanics of what the bounds of the ghost are, doesn't work. And like, of course, you know it doesn't work. Like, you <laughs> understand that that's not what this movie is doing. <laughs> no, well, I know, yeah, but, just... but I, I think the movie is trying to get to some sort of emotional truths and i think that is what the movie is aiming at so you mentioned for instance the scene where he sees the other ghost and that doesn't go anywhere and that's true plot wise but emotionally i think the the dialogue the ghost gives which is i'm looking for someone i don't remember who right that's like extremely chilling in terms of what your fate is when you're just left here with like a longing and you have no idea why anymore, right? Yeah. Like that is the plight yeah. of the ghost that, is to be there and you don't even remember what you so, miss so, anymore. So that's the thing is like, I think that that scene is where I, I perked up because I was like, I was like, oh, like this is commenting on the fact that like ghosts and other, fa- and there's even a few moments later with, with, the, with the family that lives in the house later, like we're starting to show that like ghosts are not all these like malevolent, the spirits that are trying to like haunt things and shit like they're trapped there and there's nothing they can do about it and they're accidentally haunting you right Mm -hmm. like they don't they don't want to be there any more than you are and maybe they're just always around because they're like well who is this weird person in my house and what are they doing and Mm -hmm. like that like it starts to bring up this interesting idea and then it's like and on to the next little scene over here right. and then it's like what well, you're not going to explore that anymore like like i i just think it's about so the the reason i said this is like a movie about grief turned inside out is that normally in this movie it'd be about Rooney Mara letting go of his memory yeah. like 
And uh, there are a few scenes like that, but surprisingly little. Like, the movie doesn't really focus on her for the most part. But the pie scene is the one exception that is, like, trying to, like, shove in one scene the feeling of her, like, extreme grief and then trying to move on from it, right? Yeah. Um, But this movie decides instead, instead of being, like, the person letting go of what is lost, this is the person being lost not being able to let go of the person. Like, they want to still be there. And I saw it as Casey Affleck just trying to get this thing that he wants, like piece together the world. And that's why he stays in this house trying to figure out what he's looking for. Yeah. And it takes, you know, at least another cycle before he gets to it in the end. But I feel like emotionally the movie made plenty of sense there where he's reliving it and he gets to kind of watch what happened again and there's some kind of emotional catharsis there where he can finally be freed. But I think that is the only moment where he's starting to kind of like revisit things that he was already present for as a living person. That had some level of interestingness. Excuse me. That had some level of interestingness to it. But like it doesn't – it's not a full thought. Mm-hmm. It's just like a it's, – it's like a, an emotional idea right. which has no – payoff in a sense and I, and I think it's weird too that like Rooney Mara's character is a, is a person who has moved from place to place and has this thing she does where she leaves a bit of her behind but like her entire being is leaving one place and going to somewhere else and how is this character bound to one place juxtaposed but still tied because of her willingness to like there, there's they were diametrically opposed character types and something about it just it doesn't i don't know right so i think i mean without dragging too much baggage i think there is the idea of the place that was theirs right and so he can't move past it because that signifies more to him like that signifies the loss to him and she's someone who can move on but he can't but i i think there's like a mo that's not just a character type like that's still trying to say something about the emotion of loss. And maybe, you know, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe this movie isn't about that at all. But that's definitely what I got from it. But but I also feel that, like, there is some sort of recursive thing where the living version of him senses the presence of the dead version yeah. of him. And that is why he wants to stay in that house. Because, like, the living one is also waiting for something. And it's like, that's an interesting thought. You can make a whole movie around that thought. But... This film wants to have multiple thoughts that don't necessarily run together. They're mm-hmm. just, I had a bunch of thoughts about ghosts, and here's a ghost story. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, I don't think it's that cut and dry. Like, I think that this movie is open to interpretation. Like, it's it's definitely one of those movies that uh, I feel like it's threadbare for a reason. I mean, uh other than being a stylistic choice, but uh, what do you think the thread count on the ghost is? <laughs> <laughs> it's definitely definitely Egyptian cotton. Yeah, uh, I don't know, but we can ask our sponsor, Parachute Sheets. <laughs> um, yeah, like I mean, I definitely like all the stuff at the, like at the end and like him being in the future and like going back in time. Like I, I just think that like you know, I don't think you're really meant to uh, like question the you know why did he go back in time? Like, I, I mean, like, I think you're, you know, I think maybe you I, can have your interpretation of it, but I don't think you're supposed to question says, the... It's all about time. I know <laughs> it's all about time. Um, but 
I guess it's like it's it's a movie that's clearly designed to put your own spin on it, like, uh, and not to question like the logic of things. Like, uh, it's interesting that I, there was a there was a, some interview with David Lowry, and he said that someone who saw the movie told him that they thought that the other ghost uh, across the way was actually Rooney Mara's character, um, which doesn't make a whole lot of sense, but he kind of found that interesting that, like... Unless some... she moved next door. <laughs> yeah, but... Yeah, but, I mean, he, he at least found it interesting that someone, like, had that thought and, like, put put that interpretation onto it. Like, he didn't mean for that to happen, obviously, or to, to, to be for that... Uh, for that to be it but uh i guess he was just excited that someone you know put that put that spin on it but uh i honestly was kind of i mean it's not not really an uh a critique or anything like i like honestly when they when that other ghost showed up like i wanted to see more ghosts like because i i just thought there was an interesting uh like that that whole interaction and everything was was really cool and um, yeah, but I do think that is obviously a, a crucial scene to establish that, you know, basically establish Casey Affleck's fate as, as a ghost. Um, but yeah, like, I think just like, it comes down to the fact, and again, this is kind of like an ape situation. Like, I can't really argue like this movie, you know, because it's like, you know, the, we've got like two opposing tastes you know like i can't like to to be like oh you're fucking wrong like i'm just gonna sit here and waste my breath like i think that it is uh yeah i mean it is niche for sure like uh but i do believe that the movie was designed to be open to different types of interpretation yeah yeah, I, I, I guess like I mean it's like I told you at the at the beginning like I'm not going to say this is bad, but I'm also not going to recommend this to anybody just because it's it's like I didn't care for it, and I, I, I know you're gonna you're gonna freak out when I make this statement, but I'm making it in the calmest statement I can, Carson. Is that like I don't I don't need to see what was written on that piece of paper, but I need to believe the director had something written on that paper or the writer director, right? Like I. I don't need to know what it was. I'm fine with it being ambiguous for me, the viewer, but I don't believe that there is anything on that piece of paper from a narrative or idea standpoint in, in the filmmaker's head. And that is a problem for me in any bit of storytelling. Like, like you can say, like, regardless of what you believe about like the ending of inception, like Christopher Nolan has an idea of, of whether the top fell or didn't right? like he knows in his yeah. head because it's his story and he definitely will come down. He'll, he may never tell anybody which side he comes down on, but he has an idea and the entire film is made with that in mind. And I think that in this, the idea of this thing being in this place and a ghost longing for knowing what it is is the entire idea and it doesn't matter what was written on it uh not from a viewer standpoint but to the idea of forming that scene as a whole so it's just like those type of things don't excite me because 
I want to feel like I'm seeing something for a reason, and that reason can't just be that, like, this idea sounded cool to me. I mean, I totally buy the fact that, that David Lowry has a, he has a take on what, what it says. Um, this pie is good. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he he has said that um, it was not written in the script, and he left it up to Rooney Mara to write something on the note. Um, and he said he actually never found out that she never told them what it said, and he jokingly said that it probably says boo or something. Uh, but, but that like that so you confirmed my assumption then. Yeah, but I, I that doesn't mean that I don't think he has a take on what it says. That was just kind of more of like, but he, but he, what do you what do you think it says? Like fr- from you, conception, though, he said, "You write whatever you think you would write." Given that I've written four lines of dialogue for you, yeah, but I, I mean, I, there's there's no way to know that he didn't say, "Hey, I didn't write it down, but this is what I think." But I want you to write what you want to put you know like have your interpretation of it yeah i can see that for sure like him kind of just leaving it um up in the air for uh, you know and having uh rudy mara decide i guess you know as an actor choice or something what it would say like just for her benefit um i don't know i mean again i think it's you know designed to be to 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 put your own spin on it. Although, like, I honestly think that a lot of it was uh, pretty clear, at least in terms of what he was going for. But uh, it, it wasn't like uh, kind of the last like twenty twenty five minutes of Personal Shopper, where I was like, I think I know what happened, but <laughs> uh, and I don't really care that I know or I don't know. Like, I you know, I still liked it. I. You know, I don't think that was the point. That was, at least for me, it was just still like, oh, it's, you know, who knows? Like that, see, that ending is more of a like, is more of a like the, that felt more to me like the director was just kind of like, oh, fuck you, I am French and (laughs) it could mean whatever you want. I don't, you know, like that felt more of like he didn't know what he uh, what, he didn't know what the ending was. I mean, I'm sure he did. Like, I, and I don't know for sure, but uh, uh, just like a feeling from me, like watching it, it also kind of felt like he didn't even care if it made sense. It was just like, this is what it's going to be. Like, you know, <laughs> fuck you. Um, but who knows? It might not be that way, but yeah. Yeah. Cool. Well, I <laughs> uh, felt that way. Should we uh, get on to verdicts then for this film? Sure. Sure. Uh, Stephen Miller, if you're going to give this a must-see, recommend with a caveat, wait for rental, pass with a caveat, or must-avoid, what would you give it? I'm giving it a recommend with a caveat, because for me at least, I thought there was a lot to emotionally chew on, and I think it's been well-established on this show that I am the person who likes to emotionally chew (laughs) on movies. This definitely set a lot of mood for me to seep into for 90 minutes it is definitely a slow movie and it could be trying if you do not just want to soak in a film for a while but i thought it was a great thing to soak in i definitely think if you in if you're into like terrence malicky type movies like the the tree of life came to mind as another thing where there is a plot i guess going on there but that's not why you watch the movie <laughs> um <laughs> or like I don't know. You can go Tarkovsky. There's there's all these things like this style of filmmaking where it's just trying to evoke feelings and 
present imagery in a way that kind of jars you and makes you think. And I thought this movie did a good job of it. And it definitely doesn't outstay its welcome. Like it is a, it is a short enough 90 minutes that even though it is moving at a glacier pace, I think you don't feel stuck in it nearly as long as Casey Affleck feels stuck. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm into it. Caveat being, this is not like a traditional movie that everyone is going to like. <laughs> Carson Patrick. Uh, yeah, I, I agree about the pacing too. Uh, that it's that's really well done uh uh i i will give it a must see i think the uh there's a lot of stuff to that i really liked in the movie i mean i pretty much all of it i just thought it was i thought it was really awesome uh best the rooney mara pieting scene is definitely gonna go down as a classic i think that's already been well established I, I, I love how you guys both comment that this film is well-paced, but Rooney Mara eats a pie in real time. Yeah. In yeah. real time. <laughs> yeah, it's exactly like, it's it's it, it, uh, this and the guy, uh, uh, the main guy in Buzzard eating the spaghetti in real time. This is up there with real-time food eating, uh, Rooney Mara eating the pie, so. I, I was all down for it. I was like, oh shit, she's, re- she's really going to eat all this fucking pie. Like, that's a. Uh, and, and bonus, no shaky cam. <laughs> Oh yeah, that's that's always a plus. Yeah, yeah, it's shaky cam, uh, no shaky cam, and it was shot on film. There, you can see the fucking grain. Like, and like I work. don't need to know what kind of pie it was, but I want to know that Rooney Mara knew what kind of pie it was. <laughs> yeah, well, apparently she had never had pie before. She, she didn't know what any pie was, Stephen. <laughs> yeah. So in the script, actually, she was just supposed to take a bite, but she was so enthralled by the flavor of pie that she finally tried it. Why has nobody told me about pie before? (laughs) Uh. So, yeah, uh, me, this is like one of those films where I don't feel qualified in in giving an actual review for. Because, like I said, I I did not, like, I, I feel, I can't, I would not in good conscience tell somebody to see this unless they were like... I don't have a good reason why I would tell somebody to see it. But I also, like I said, don't want to say that it's bad and give it like a negative review. So I'm just going to like abstain. So see it or don't see it. Maybe watch it back to back with Personal Shopper. Hmm. Or maybe watch it before Personal Shopper. I, I, I don't know. I just feel they're relevant enough to each other that might as well make it a date. So wait, wait for this to be out so you can watch both together. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, so that is our review of A Ghost Story. Hopefully you enjoyed that. Stephen Miller, if people want to find you throughout the week, where can they do that? They can go to twitter.com slash sdavidmiller or sdavidmiller.com. Carson Patrick, if they want to figure out what kind of pie you like, how can you do that? Oh, I, I'm telling you, dude, it made me want pie. I went and got that pie the so other good. night, man. Oh, <laughs> delicious. Yeah, it was so good. <laughs> um... <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. You can just find me eating pie with Franco and Rooney. <laughs> Down at the local cafe. Vegan, uh, no sugar vegan pie or whatever. <laughs> I only like pies made by Toby Maguire. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. It all com- It's all connected in this pie universe. <laughs> um, but yeah, people can find me at ChristopherInRealLife.com or Twitter.com slash ChristopherIRL. You can find the podcast over at thespoilerwarning.com where you can get a bunch of the back episodes of the show. If you want to know when the episodes go live, you can follow us at twitter.com slash spoilerwarning or like us at facebook.com slash thespoilerwarning. 
Um, if you want to get a hold of us directly, you can send an email to fans at thespoilthewarning.com or you can use the contact form on our site. Uh, music for this episode will come from the soundtrack to A Ghost Story, but there wasn't really sound. It was just kind of like air blowing and stuff like that. Oh, yeah, maybe they have that <laughs> the wannabe Casey Affleck song. It's going to be the, the song that Casey Affleck didn't sing. I found it on Spotify. Uh, cool, you have to send me a link to it. and then uh, So that's playing right now. Um, so... If you enjoyed the podcast, leave us a review on iTunes. It always helps. Give us recommendations in Overcast. And, uh, yeah, we will be back next week with a review of Dunkirk. Oh, I bought him. <laughs> Was that your... I want him. <laughs> That's my Tom Hardy as, yeah. in the fighter pilot as Bane in World War II. That is pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, yeah, we're going to take off because it's after midnight now. So I uh, hope you guys enjoyed listening, and we'll see you next time.